السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال رب شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, inshallah. In today's lesson, we will be looking at the life of Abdurrahman ibn Auf, the trustworthy person, the trustworthy businessman, as he was known amongst the ulama of Islam. And Abdurrahman ibn Auf. He will be in the gardens of Jannah alongside the Anbiya, the Siddiqoon, the Martyrs and the Pious. And we will be looking at his sincerity with regards to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will be looking at his sacrifice, a spending lavishly in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And... The reason why also we mentioning that he was a very influential person and that he had a lot of sacrifice for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that sometimes we as human beings we tend to think that because of someone's worldly possessions this is why they get certain positions and if we look at the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yes some of them they were extremely wealthy but this wasn't the reason this was not the reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them become the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it was not because of their wealth that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he chose them to be his companions or that he honored them but rather it was their sacrifice and their willingness to give up the dunya for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through them giving up their dunya for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah honored them. Allah honored their children. Allah honored their families. And He made them, the companions, the best of people after the Anbiya and Allah knows best. So what was his full name and his lineage? He was known or he was Abdurrahman ibn Auf. Ibn Abd Auf, Ibn Abd al-Harith, Ibn Zuhara, Ibn Kilab. His name during the days of ignorance, the days of Jahiliyyah, was Abd Amr, the slave of Amr. Which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam later on changed to Abdurrahman. In another report, he says that his name in the times of Jahiliyyah was Abdul Kaaba, which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam changed to Abdurrahman. So there's two narrations. One narration says that he was Abdul Amr and he changed to Abdurrahman. The other one says that he was Abdul Kaaba, slave of the Kaaba, and he was also changed to Abdurrahman. So we know that his name is Abdurrahman. With regards to what his name was before Islam, 
that there is a difference of opinion. And there's two points I would like to highlight here. Number one, always try to choose simple, beautiful names for one's children. Always try to choose names like Abdullah, Abdurrahman, Muhammad, Fatima, Aisha. Simple names, but either after the Anbiya, like Isa, like Musa, like Harun, Yusuf, Yunus, or after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or after the companions, or great Imams of this Ummah. But nowadays we find people, Subhanallah, naming names that doesn't make sense. Naming names that they get from the kuffar, from the enemies of Islam, and they try to Islamize these names, and they try to let their children follow these names, and Allah knows best. And the second point with regards to names that I would like to highlight, that we see here that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam changed his name. The reason why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam changed his name because the meaning that he had previously was incorrect. He cannot have a name of Abdul Amr because we are only Abdullah. We are the slave of Allah. We are Abdul Rahman. We are the slave of the Ar-Rahman. But as for Abdul Amr or Abdul Kaaba, then this is not allowed. And the reason why I'm highlighting this is that if someone embraces Islam and they have a name and the meaning is fine, it's correct, there's nothing un-Islamic about this meaning, then they are allowed to keep their name if they would like to. Obviously, we would encourage them to change it to another name, an Arabic name. But if they feel that they want to keep their name as Mark or Peter, whatever, then they are fully, <coughs> or Afwan, let's rather say, they have the full right to do this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. His mother, so Abdurrahman ibn Auf, his mother was Safiya bint Abdul Manaf, ibn Zuhra ibn Kilab. And it is said that her mother was Ash-Shifa bint Auf ibn Abdul Harith ibn Zuhar. So here again we see that the lineage of Abdurrahman ibn Auf, that it meets the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from both his mother's side and from his father's side. And Allah azza wa jal knows best. His birth in Ibn Sa'd reports in his tabaqat that he was born 10 years after the year of the elephant. His Agnawan, Abdurrahman ibn Yawf, he was known as Abu Muhammad. So he was known as the father of Muhammad. Now I'd like to look at his description. Was he tall? Was he short? Was he fat? Was he thin? Sahla bin Asim. She says that Abdurrahman ibn Yawf was fair in complexion, large-eyed with large eyelashes, a prominent nose, 
long upper canine teeth. Many times his canines would cut his lip with long hair reaching below his earlobes with a long neck and large shoulders. Ziyad al-Baka'i he reports from Ibn Ishaq that his front two incisors had fallen off. He was left-handed and lame. He was injured on the day of Uhud. He lost his front teeth. He sustained about 20 wounds, some in his leg which made it lame. And, okay, one more report. Ya'qub ibn Utbah, he says that Abdurrahman was a tall man with a handsome face, a delicate skin. He had a slight hunch. He was fair in complexion with a mixture of redness and he would not dye his white hair. Um, going back to the second narration where it says or it ends that he was lame in his leg and the reason for this was because during the battle of Uhud he experienced or he was inflicted with a lot of wounds. So yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we see something important. And this was one of the messages that we tried to bring across throughout the series. The sacrifice that the companions had and that they made for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the battle of Uhud, he was wounded, 20 wounds, and some of those wounds caused that he become lame in his leg, subhanallah. So this shows us the sacrifice that they were willing to give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we will see this as we move on with our lesson tonight, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So now I'd like to look at his household, his wife and children, and I'm not going to mention the names, etc., because... He had quite a number of wives and children as well. So Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he had many wives at different times. And he was blessed with a number of children. The number of his children reached close to 28. 20 sons and 8 daughters. Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he blessed Abdurrahman ibn Auf with having a lot of children, a lot of offspring. And this subhanallah is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And know my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives offspring to whomsoever He wills. And from this offspring He grants some of them to be male offspring. And from some of them He grants them to be female offspring. And so from some of them He grants them to be males and females. So brothers and sisters. And then there are those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made barren. There are those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given the opportunity to have children. And this is through the infinite mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. So now we want to look at his Islam and Hijrah. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he recognized Islam at an early age and he entered the faith prior to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entering Darul Arqam ibn Abi 
الأرقام. So this was a house in Mecca. It was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they named it Darul Arqam after Ibn Abi Al-Arqam and Allah knows best. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would preach at this particular house. He is one of the five who accepted Islam at the hands of Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu. Again, showing us that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu he was someone that never just accepted, oh, I'm Muslim and this is fine, alhamdulillah. But rather, he called people to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this should be our missions as well. This should be our mission in our lives as well. That we need to call people, we need to bring people to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not sufficient that I utter the kalima la ilaha illallah, that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. And I'm complacent that bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, I make my salah, I fast in the month of Ramadan, I will go on hajj, I pay my zakah if I'm, by, or if I'm eligible to pay zakah. I follow Allah's commands and doing all this inshallah Allah will grant me to enter Jannah. So I'm comfortable. No. First, you need to look at your families. Are they on Islam? Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu aw yuhu believe. Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Save yourselves and save your families from the fire of Jahannam. And then you need to look at your broader family. The children of your siblings, your siblings maybe. Second, third cousins. Are they on Islam? Are they practicing the deen as they're supposed to be practicing? And thereafter you need to go out, you need to call people to the deen of Allah as well. And this we learn from the life of Abu Bakr radiyallahu So Abdul Rahman ibn Auf accepted or he learned, he got this deen from Abu Bakr radiyallahu And after he accepted Islam, he too, he bore a share of persecution and harassment from the mushrikun. Like we looked at all the other companions that we spoke about from the weeks before, they all had some type of persecution, some type of harassment. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward them for the sacrifices that they made. Some of them were beaten, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. Some of them were stoned. Some of them had to lie with their chests on the hot desert sand. For those that have been to Saudi Arabia, for those that have been for Umrah, been for Hajj, for those that have studied there, whatever it might be, you know the temperatures, 50 degrees, 55 degrees, 60 degrees. And those years, obviously, it was much warmer. Imagine how hot is the sand, the desert sand. And they are forced to lie with their chests open, no sweater, no clothing, nothing. On bare chested on the sand, subhanAllah. And yet you still found the likes of Bilal radiallahu an. When he went through this, he was a slave. He never had a lot of money. He never had freedom. But he would lay there and he would say, 
When he was asked to denounce Allah, he would say, Ahad, Al-Ahad, that Allah is one, Allah is one. Allah is not asking us to go through this that the Sahaba went through. All Allah is asking us to give for the deen of Allah, whether it's our time, whether it's our money, whether it's our children, that they're going to go study, but give in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he was amongst those who immigrated to Abyssinia on both occasions. And thereafter he immigrated to Medina, An-Nabawiyah, seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the intention to assist the deen of Allah. And he left behind in Mecca an abundance of wealth and plenty of property, subhanahu. The Muhajirun, my beloved brothers and sisters, the Muhajirun, they were those that they gave up their houses, they gave up their families, they gave up their wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam al-Bukhari, he brings a narration in his Sahih on the authority of Anas ibn Malik, where he said that Abdurrahman ibn Awf he arrived in Medina. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as we mentioned previously, he would join one person from the Ansar, those people of Medina, and one person from the Muhajirun, those that left Makkah and came to Medina. He'll contract a brotherhood between the two of them. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he was contacted by Sa'ad ibn al-Rabi al-Ansari. And Sa'ad offered to share half of his family, meaning he maybe had more than one wife, so he was willing to divorce one wife and let Abdurrahman ibn Auf marry her. And he wanted to offer half of his wealth to Abdurrahman ibn Auf. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, as we know, we said he was a very trustworthy businessman, which means he knew how to do business. He politely declined the same. May Allah bless you in your family and your wealth. Just show me, indicate to me where the marketplace is. And he gained some cheese and butter as a prophet. And after a few days, the Prophet wasallam he spotted him with some yellow dye. And the Prophet wasallam he asked Abdurrahman ibn Awf, what is the good news? Ya Abdurrahman, inform me of the good news. He explained, Ya Rasulullah, that I got married. That I got married to a woman from the Ansar. And this dye that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He says that, or what we understood with the Prophet ﷺ, we saw this die, this would be something that they would put on once they are married. And this come, this hadith or part of this hadith, it usually comes in the chapters of Nikah. When we do the fiqh of Nikah, you will find that this hadith comes there. Because we learn from this with regards to the walima. That the Prophet ﷺ, before we get to the Walima, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he asked him, did you give a dowry to her? So this also shows us that part of the contract of the nikah is that you need to give a dowry, whatever it might be. 
and he said gold equivalent to a date pit. The Prophet then advised him to make a walima. You must have a walima, and even if it is just with a sheep. So here we learn two things from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that we should always encourage and we should have a walima. And yeah, I would like to explain something. That and this goes more so for our Indian community that I find myself in or the community that I come from. That people they tend to have this understanding that we're going to have a wedding ceremony. And then after that, maybe the next day or two days or whenever, we are going to have a walima as well. The walima and the wedding ceremony yani, is one and the same thing. So when you print your cards, etc., you invite everyone to your walima, walilailhamd. Secondly, this hadith also teaches us that it does not have to be a fancy event. It does not have to be something where they put the bridegroom and the bride-to-be in so much financial distress that even before they start their married life, they are already in debt most of the time or their parents are in debt or they need to sell a car or a house or whatever so that they can have a big beautiful wedding so everyone can attend etc. No. Even if it means that they will give food out in the masjid, everyone will sit on the floor and they will eat, then alhamdulillah. There's a narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he says that the nikah or the walima that has the most barakah, the nikah, the marriage that has the most barakah, is that which uses the least amount of money. Yes, alhamdulillah, if you can afford it, no problem. But generally people, they cannot afford a huge wedding, a fancy wedding. So don't put yourselves through these difficulties and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So from this incident that, or from this narration that Anas narrates to us about Abdurrahman ibn Awf, we understand that he went through difficulty. Someone that was extremely rich coming into Medina. He, need, he wanted to look for the marketplace. He needed to start life all over. And this shows us the importance of Iman. This shows us the importance of faith that these companions had. And we pray and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us that we also be patient. That we also become of the Sabirun, of those that have patience. That we become of the muttaqun of those that have taqwa. As we will see later, the taqwa of Abdurrahman ibn Awf. And as we saw in the previous lessons, the taqwa, the piety of the other companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And one point also I would like to add is that Abdurrahman ibn Awf, that he made hijrah thrice. He went to Abyssinia, he came back. He went to Abyssinia again. He came back and then he went to Medina. The next point we would like to look at is that Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he was someone that 
he was extremely God conscious. He would had a lot of taqwa for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was someone that was extremely merciful. He was someone that was extremely compassionate. Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullahu ta'ala narrates a narration, he brings a narration in his sahih where he said that food was brought to Abdurrahman ibn Awf one day. And he commented and he said that Mus'ab ibn Umayr that Mus'ab ibn Umayr he was killed and he was superior to me. Mus'ab ibn Umayr he was killed during the battle of Uhud. Sufficient cloth to shroud him was not found. And as we know the story of Mus'ab ibn Umayr again he came from an extremely wealthy family. He came from an extremely wealthy family. But when his mother heard that he embraced Islam, they cut off all his wealth, they cut off all his beautiful clothing, etc. And when Mus'ab passed away, there was not even enough shroud to cover him. And then Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he goes on and he explains, and another person, Hamza, was the family to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was killed and he also was better than me and there was no cloth to shroud him as well except a shawl so he says Abdurrahman ibn Awf he says that I fear that our good deeds have hastened for us in our worldly life and after this he began to weep showing us and teaching us that Abdurrahman ibn Awf is saying that yes, you are bringing me food, maybe some a good meal. But there were those that were better than me. Look at the likes of Mus'ab. Look at the likes of Hamza. They went through so much difficulty. Yeah, I might be getting such good things. And I fear that this might overtake me. This worldly life, it might overtake me. And he started to cry. So here again, it shows us the tawadu, yani the humility that he had, the taqwa that he had for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And know, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that we will be questioned, we will be asked, you had such and such an item, what did you do with it? You had such beautiful meals, did you think of the poor? You had extremely high bank balances. Did you donate to the poor, to do the masjid, to the Islamic institutes? Allah Azza wa Jal is going to question us. There's a lengthy hadith that speaks about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one day. In Medina not having food. Coming out at the time of Yani of Qaylula, the siesta sleep is usually at the extremely hot time during the day, about close to Dhuhr or just after Dhuhr, Allah knows best. And some of the other companions as well. Coming out and the Prophet tells them, why do you all come out at this time? And they all had the same reason that they were hungry and they never ate for a few days. And another companion sees this and hears this and they feed them, they get food. 
And at the end of this lengthy hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says powerful words. He says that this virtue that you had, this meal that you had, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask you on the day of Qiyamah about this. They were hungry. They never ate for a few days. But Allah is going to ask them about this virtues that they had, about this meal that they had. What about us? How are we going to stand in front of Allah Azza wa Jalla on the day of Qiyamah? With the type of lifestyle that we have. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. Abdurrahman ibn Awf, like I mentioned earlier, he was someone that had phenomenal economic structures. He was someone that would spend a lot of his wealth generously in the cause of Islam. And he was someone that never refused. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would ask who is willing to spend, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf would have been one of the first to spend in the path of Allah. And Islam, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we need to understand, during these days of the companions, it rested on the shoulders of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the shoulders of the Sahaba. The services of the Sahaba in support of the deen of Allah, it differed. This is very important. That not everyone is going to do the same thing for the sake of Islam. So we have an Islamic organization, but not everyone's role is to be the same. Not everyone is going to give da'wah. Not everyone's job is there to lead the salah. Not everyone's job is to give classes. That is there for those that studied, for the du'a, that is their job. But like that, other people had other jobs as well. Some people, they are supporting the da'wah financially. This is in its place, alhamdulillah. Someone, he might not be blessed with a lot of wealth, but Allah has blessed him with skills. So for example, a masjid needs to be built, and alhamdulillah, he can lay bricks. He's an engineer. He's an architect. Someone's an electrician. Someone is a plumber. Someone has beautiful financial skills. And this is what makes the community of Islam. This is what makes the organization that you have. And this is what made the brotherhood of the companions, the sisterhood of companions, that they all could do various things, subhanallah. They could do various things, and they all came together to form the ummah. And this is an important lesson for us. Different people with different skills in our community. But if we all come together, and we work together, then Islam, it will grow from strength to strength and again like I mentioned earlier this was something that the companions taught us and then yet you would find like for example and coming to Abdurrahman Ibn Aw specifically that he was of those that he had a lot of wealth 
But on top of that, as you will see later, he was someone that fought in jihad as well. So he participated in jihad alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he would also spend his money in these battles as well. He would spend on mobilizing armies. He would spend on feeding the poor. He would spend on feeding the needy and fulfill the needs of those privately. Meaning, he would fulfill and help certain families and no one would know about this. Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, he brings a narration where he says that Abdurrahman or Abdurrahman ibn Auf himself attests to this, where he says, I definitely remember my past. If I had to lift a stone, I hope to find underneath it gold or silver. Meaning that he was someone that was extremely involved with finance and with wealth. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Jannah. Jannah is yani, the most expensive and yet desired commodity. Every believer, male or female, young or old, when you speak to them, when you engage them, what would you want one day? They say we would want Jannah. And this, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, was no different for the Sahaba, for the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that they would wake up every single day wanting to enter Jannah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says to us, and we find this hadith in the jami of Imam At-Tirmidhi, and there is a bit of discussion with regards to the authenticity of the hadith, and some of the scholars, they deem this hadith to be hasan, to be not sahih, but a level lower than sahih. A good hadith, يعني, if you want to laughly translate it into English. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says at the end of this hadith, ala inna sil'atallahi ghaliyatun That lo and behold, that indeed, the commodity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expensive. For those that have been Hajj and Umrah, you'd hear they say, something expensive, they say, yeah, ghal, ghal, right? Expensive. And then the Prophet, peace be upon him, he says at the end, carries on and he says, Allah, that behold, lo and behold, inna sil'atallahi al-jan. So the commodity by Allah is expensive. But what is this commodity? This commodity is Jannah. Allahumma ja'alna minhum. But Allah make us of those that will enter Jannah. And read the Quran. Go through various verses of the Quran. You will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He explains about Jannah. For example, in Surah Muhammad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that in Jannah, you're going to find anhar, you're going to find rivers of water. You're going to find rivers of milk that 
its taste does not change. You're going to find rivers of wine that is tasteful to who? To the one that is drinking. In the hadith that you will, it says that these rivers in Jannah, the wine in Jannah, it's not going to intoxicate you. And you're going to find, as Allah ends, He says that you're going to find the rivers. Min asalim of honey. Beautiful honey. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in other verses in the Quran, He explains about Jannah. Rivers flowing beneath it. Houses in Jannah. Trees in Jannah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter us into Jannah. But the best gift, forget about the Hurul Ain, forget about beautiful houses, forget about not going to relief oneself, forget about all these beauties in Jannah. The best gift that the mu'min will be waiting for and that you will get is that he will see the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day or in Jannah. Allahu Akbar. Imagine. And in Jannah you're going to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is going to be the greatest of the greatest of gifts. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to deny us that we of those that do not see the face of our Lord Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he also praised the one who cares for his wives and sympathizes with them after his demise. And this is exactly what Abdurrahman ibn Auf did. That he bequeathed that in, and be an orchard sold from his amount of money and Right, or Afwan, rather this amount of money that was taken from the orchard that was sold, that it be given to the spouses of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um Salama, she reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to his wives, and this is our Ummahatul Mu'mineen, this is the mothers of our believer, the mother of the believers, that we respect them, we love them, we honor them. And Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he was no different. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he said to his wives, the one who displays compassion towards you after my passing away is definitely the truthful and the devout. She would then pray, O oh Allah, give Ibn Auf the drink of Asal Sabil, a river in Jannah. Sal Sabil. Ibn Majah reports that Sa'ad ibn Zayd or Sa'id, Afwan ibn Zayd, he said that I bear witness upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that I heard him say, remain firm, O Hira, for only a prophet, a Siddiq or a martyr is upon you. Then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he listed them and he said, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Talha, Zubair, Sa'ad, 
and Abdurrahman ibn Auf and Sa'id ibn Zaid. Subhanallah. Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet peace be upon him is giving glad tidings to some of his companions. May Allah be pleased with him. Of the virtues of Abdurrahman ibn Auf is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he performed salah behind him in the campaign of Tabuk. One of the privileges of the prominent Sahabi, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, is that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he performed salah behind him in Tabuk campaign. This is an explicit testimony from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of his righteousness because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would not follow a transgressor and it is not befitting for him to do this. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he stood behind Abdul Rahman ibn Auf as we will see in a moment. And as we know, the Prophet, peace be upon him, would not stand behind someone that is transgressing the laws of Allah azza wa jal. So this shows us and teaches us an important lesson that Abdul Rahman ibn Auf was of the righteous. Imam Muslim, he brings in his sahih a narration of or from Mughira ibn Shu'bah who said that I participated alongside the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the battle of Tabuk and Mughira says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he went to relieve himself in the field so obviously during those times there was not built up toilets that we have today and he would go out away from the people into Certain places it was demarcated that this is where people would release themselves. And this is the Prophet wasallam. he went into the field before Salatul Fajr. So Mughira says that I took a utensil filled with water for him. When Rasulullah returned to me, I began to pour the water from the utensil on his hands. And he washed his hands three times. After that, he washed his face. Then he tried to uncover his arms from his jubba. Yani his coat. But the sleeves of the jubba were too tight. So he pulled out his hands and exposed his arms from beneath the jubba. And then he washed up to his elbows. And then he washed or wiped over his hoof. And then he returned. So the Prophet yani he made wudu. Mughiras continues and he says that I came back with him only to find that the people had put Abdurrahman ibn Auf ahead who was leading them in salah. So Abdurrahman was already the leader in Salah. Rasulullah Sallallahu he made one of the two raka'at, so he prayed the second raka'at with the people after. After Abdurrahman ibn Auf made Salam, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stood up to complete his Salah. And this alarmed the Muslims. Imagine, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he comes afterwards to find them in Salam. In Salah, when they make Salam, they see that the Prophet ﷺ is behind them, subhanAllah. And they kept on reciting their tasbih in great abundance. When the Prophet ﷺ, he completed his Salah, he turned to them and he said that you have done well. Or he said, you have acted correctly. He applauded them for performing Salah on time. And this also shows and teaches us a lesson that we can derive a fiqh ruling from this as well. That the Prophet ﷺ, he came into the salah, they finished the one raka'ah, when they made salam, he got up and he 
finish the Salat or Salatul Fajr, so it consisted of two rakats. Like I mentioned earlier, Abdurrahman ibn Auf was someone that he spent a great deal of money in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah with regards to spending in the way of Allah. He says, Ya amanu, O you who believe, Anfiku mimma razaqonakum min qabl. Anfiku, yani spend of that which we have provided for you. Before min qabli ayyatiya yawmun, before a day will come to you. La bay'un fihi wa la khullatu wa la shafa'ah. That there's going to come a day when there's going to be no bargaining. There's going to come a day when there's going to be no friendship. There's going to come a day when there's no intercession. And it is the believers who are the zalimun. So here we understand that Allah is telling us, Oh, you will believe spend in the path because you are going to stand in front of Allah on the day of Qiyamah. There's going to be no bargaining, no debates now. Yeah, but I did this and this is why I did that and this is how I ended up here, etc. No. No friends. You were friends with the president, you were friends with the king. This means nothing on the day of Qiyamah. And here what is meant by intercession or no intercession is that the Prophet ﷺ will ask Allah permission to intercede and then he will intercede for us. As for someone else coming to intercede for you, Allahu A'la, we don't know where people get this from and Allah knows best. And it is the disbelievers. It is those that disbelieve in Allah that know that they are the wrongdoers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also explains a few verses down the line, same surah. The likeliness of those who spend in the way of Allah. This example of those that spend in the way of Allah, it is like the likeness of a grain. It grows seven years. <coughs> and each year has a hundred grains. Allah gives manifold increase to whom He wills. And Allah is all sufficient. Wallahu yudha'ifu yasha. Wallahu alim. That Allah increases for who He ever so wills and how much He wills. This is Allah. He can do what He wants to do. He has the power and the ability to do what he wants to do to his slaves. So Allah says that he will multiply if he wills. Wallahu wasiun alim. That know that Allah is sufficient for his creatures, for his slaves. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-alim. He is the all-knower. And then Allah says in the next verse, Alladina yunfikuna amwalahum fi sabilillah. And those who spend their wealth in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. ثُمَّ لَا يُتْبِعُونَ مَا أَنْفَقُوا مَنَّوْ وَلَا أَذَى لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ 
that those who spend their wealth in the cause of Allah and do not follow up their gifts with reminders of their generosity or with injury, their reward is with their Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. So when you also spend, Allah is teaching us an important lesson, that when you spend in the way of Allah, do not follow up their reminders, or do not follow up with them, with gifts, with reminders of their generosity or with injury. Their reward is with the Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he informed us and he said whoever gives charity equal to a date from good deed, halal deeds meaning as small as a date you have a date you know how small this is you give it in charity for and it's from halal know that for Allah does not accept anything but that which is good Allah will take it in his right hand and tend it for the one who gave it as any one of you tends his foe until he becomes a mountain. So Allah is going to bless you. Allah is going to give you more even if you just donate a date in the path of Allah. So my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we are living in a time of trials and tribulations. And this is why I've brought these ayat with regards to spending in the path of Allah and to link it to the life of Abdurrahman. Ibn Auf. So Abdurrahman Ibn Auf, he was extremely generous. He was big-hearted and he was not a miser. He would thus spend lavishly without fear in poverty and give charity only to seek the countenance of Allah Azza wa One example of this is that one day he freed 30 slaves. In one day he freed 30 slaves, subhanAllah. Ma'amar, he reports that Imam Az-Zuhri, or from Imam Az-Zuhri, that during the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdurrahman ibn Auf gave half his wealth in charity, followed by 40,000, followed by 40,000 gold coins. He then mounted 500 warriors on horses in the path of Allah, followed by five, mounting 500 soldiers on camels in the path of Allah, and majority of his wealth was cured from his businesses. So here, subhanAllah, we see what type of person Abdurrahman ibn Auf was. Ibn Asakir, he reports from Abu Salam, from Abu Huraira, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, the best linking to the hadith that we spoke about earlier, the best of you are the, are the ones who are best to my wives. And according to Abdurrahman, he bequeathed in their name an orchard valued or sold at 400,000. Imam At-Tirmidhi rahimallahu ta'ala reports from Muhammad ibn Amr from Abu Salama that Abdurrahman ibn Awfi bequeathed an orchard for the Ummahatul Mu'mineen and sold it for 400,000. Imam At-Tirmidhi, he brings a report on the authority of Ummul Mu'mineen, Aisha radiallahu anha, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say to them, yani to his wives, your matter is what worries me after my demise. No one will tolerate you except the patient. Thereafter Aisha would pray, may Allah give your father drink from the 
Salsabil of Jannah, referring to Abdurrahman ibn Auf. So here we find that in the one hadith Um Salama reports, in the second hadith it is Aisha radiallahu anha. And this just proves to us again that Abdurrahman ibn Auf, like the other companions, they honored the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the mother of the believers. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he sold a land to Uthman ibn Affan for 40,000 gold coins which he distributed among the needy of Banu Zuhra, the Muhajirun, and the Ummahatul Mu'mini. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, he fought in jihad alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was not content with sacrificing his wealth only in the path of Allah, but also he wanted to sacrifice himself as well. And this again reminds me of the verse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where he says Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu O oh you who believe Hal ladullukum ala tijaratin tunjikum min adabin alim that shall I inform you shall I indicate to you a business tunjikum min adabin alim that will save you from a torment a painful torment of punishments tu'minuna billah you need to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَرَسُولِهِ and the messenger وَتُجَاهِدُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ and you need to strive in the path of Allah بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ with your wealth وَأَنفُسِكُمْ and yourselves ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ and know that this is good for you only if you but knew so here Allah is saying that he's going to show us a business a trade that he's going to save you from a Powerful, a painful punishment. Believe in Allah. Follow the messenger or believe in the messenger. Strive in the way of Allah with your wealth. If you cannot be there physically, give your wealth. If you can give your wealth and you can be there physically, this is nurun ala nur. This is light upon light, but go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's among the companions who witnessed Badr, he, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu an. May Allah be pleased with all of them. They shared one camel taking turns to ride it. In the battle of Badr, two of the leaders of the Mushrikun, they were killed in the presence of Abdurrahman ibn Uf. One of them was, one is whose killing was instrumental by pointing him out. Meaning that Abdurrahman ibn Uf, he was approached, as we will see in a moment, by two youngsters, asking him, who is Abu Jahl? And he pointed, there's Abu Jahl, and we will see what happened in a few moments and the second one is Umayyah ibn Khalaf so with regards to the killing of Abu Jahl Abdurrahman ibn Auf he tells us this narration himself he says that I was standing on the ranks on the day of Badr and I looked to my right and to my left and I saw two youngsters of the Ansar in a young tender age and I wish that I had been between two men who were stronger than them and the one nudges me and he says Oh uncle, do you know who is Abu Jahl? I said yes. What work do you have with Abu Jahl? What do you want to do with Abu Jahl? Why do you want to know who is Abu Jahl? So this youngster he says that I have been told that he swears Rasulullah, he curses Rasulullah by the being in whose hand lies my soul. If I see him, our bodies will not separate until the quickest of us dies, subhanAllah. Where is the youth today? 
They are not asked to go out and go fight in the path of Allah. All they are asked today is to be obedient to Allah's rules. All they are asked is to follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the question remains, where is the youth today? They are more worried about what's the next music item going to be? What new movie can I watch? What new clothing can I get? Where's the latest cell phone? But when we ask about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then hardly anyone comes forward from it. But these youngsters, they knew that they cannot be a society, they cannot be a community where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being cursed and we live with the cursor, the one that is cursing him. And Abdurrahman Rahman becomes amazed. Another youngster nudges him on the other side. Same question, same answers. They know, they see who Abu Jahl is. They rush forward, they start fighting, they short strike. They strike him until they kill. He, they return back to Rasulullah and they inform him. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he asks him, who of you two killed him? The one said, I killed him. The other one said, I killed him. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, did you wipe your swords? They said, no. He took both of them. He looked at their swords and he decided that both of you have killed Abu Jahl. As for the second of them, Abdurrahman ibn Auf narrates again, also found in Bukhari, that he said, I made a pact with Umayyah ibn Khalaf, that he will look after my property or my family. In Makkah and I will look after his in Medina. When I mentioned the word Ar-Rahman, yani in my name, he said, I do not recognize Ar-Rahman, write the document with your name during the Jahiliyyah. So I wrote it as Abdul Amr. When the day of Badr came, I went to a mountain to protect him when the people dozed off. However, Bilal caught sight of him, so we went and stood by a gathering of the Ansar and they announced, Umayyah ibn Khalaf, I will not be spared if Umayyah is saved. Hearing this, a group of the Ansar came in hot pursuit of us. When I feared that they will catch up with us, I left his son behind to keep them busy. They killed him at once and refused to stop pursuing us. He was a hefty man. So when they caught up with us, I told him to kneel. He knelt accordingly and I placed my body over to protect him. However, they sliced with their swords from underneath me until they killed him. One of them also struck my leg with his sword. The narrator says, Abdurrahman ibn Auf would show us that scar at the back of his leg. Abdurrahman ibn Auf also participated in Uhud and excelled. He is one of those who remained steadfast at the side of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sustaining 21 wounds on that day. He was injured on his leg, to which he had to limb, and his two front incisors fell out, as we spoke about this a bit earlier. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Abdurrahman bin Auf, he had a very deep understanding of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. And I would like to look at one incident which is reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. Ibn Abbas relates that Umar questioned him and said, Have you heard anything from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with regard or any of his companions regarding the person 
should he had doubts in his salah. And just then, Abdurrahman ibn Awfi arrived and he asked, What were you discussing? Umar explained, I asked this young boy, meaning he asked Ibn Abbas, Do you know anything about this? If a person has doubts in his salah, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he said that I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, When any of you has doubt in his salah and does not know, whether he performed a single or two raka'ah, he should settle on one. If he is confused between whether he had read two or three, he should settle on two. And if he is not sure whether he read three or four, he should settle on three. Thereafter, he should make up two sajjas just before completing his salah while sitting before making the salam and Allah knows best. So here we find also that Abdurrahman ibn Auf was someone that had extreme knowledge. And this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives insight and He gives knowledge to whomsoever He wills of His slaves. And the last point we would like to look at today is the demise of Abdurrahman ibn Auf. He passed away in the year 31 of the Hijrah in Medina at the age of 75. He bequeathed 50,000 gold coins in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. Abdurrahman ibn Auf or Imam Az-Zuhri Afwan, he says that Abdurrahman ibn Auf made a bequest of 400 gold coins for each of the participants of Badr who were alive. They were a hundred in number. So everyone that participated in Badr, they were 100. At that day, they each got 400 gold coins, mashallah. They took their respective shares and Uthman also took his share. He also bequeathed a thousand horses in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas was one of those who carried his janazah saying, what a huge mountain. He left behind plenty of wealth, including gold, which was cut up with axes until the hands of men became sore due to it. This is how wealthy he was. He left behind a thousand camels, a hundred horses, and three thousand sheep to be pastured in Al-Baqi. He had four wives, each one received the amount. And this brings us to the end of the life of Abdurrahman ibn Auf. Next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will look at the life of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, the maternal uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the first to shoot an arrow in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to grant us success. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant those that have been, that have left this world to grant them Jannah and those that are ill that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings ease and cure to the illness. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha illa astawfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.